Hey there! Are you a crime scene investigator, law enforcement officer, or forensic scientist looking for a Facebook community that understands you? Check out Taction USA's forensic product groups. You'll find blogs, articles, information, and community. For those of us in the investigative field, there are not many lines of support out there, but Taction USA is a company that was founded by law enforcement for law enforcement. Subscribe today to get access to exclusive content. Just look for Taction USA in Facebook groups. favorite true crime podcast. As always, I'm Hillary. And I'm Brendan. Please sign the crime scene log and join us for part two of the misguided deeds of Mr. Flair. Now last time we told you about um, an arson case in Boston, quite a big one, and we haven't gotten into all the details yet, but so far we know that in the 80s, Massachusetts um, passed a law that kind of put a tax ceiling on you know, communities and how much tax they could I think it was collect. mainly the property tax. Yes, yes, it, it was mainly property tax. But it put a cap so they could only accumulate so much, which, you know, dips into the budget of public officials and employees and so, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So we found out that there were... Hundreds of police and firemen who were let go because they just, the cities couldn't afford them. Money wasn't there anymore. Um, And ironically, after that, all these fires started. And we already told you that, and we'll get into it more, but that a device called the La Bamba was used. (laughs) And the last you heard was from Mr. Flair as he sent a letter to a local Boston news station discussing the case, and he kind of gave away his identity in that, but we'll get into that. Just a big hint. Yeah. So that letter said, I will, I'm the Friday firebug, and I will continue until all deactivated police and fire equipment is brought back. So like a regular citizen, they might care that much, but would they care that much to do, go that far? Yeah, we know by the end, over 200 fires, I think the... Yeah. The best estimation, because, you know, there were other fires in Boston at the time, of well, course. Well, yeah. It's but, the city. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Stuff happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, and even other arson cases, but the best estimate of which ones uh, Mr. Flair was responsible for, I think it was like 260, mm-hmm. they guessed. That's what I saw, too. So, now known to the public, at least his presence, not his identity... Right. Mr. Flair carried on setting buildings on fire at breakneck pace, at times as many as seven a night, with the blazes spanning from two to four alarm fires, potentially tying up dozens of firefighters and trucks at each scene. You know, I was thinking about this earlier, or when we, you know, we're doing research and everything. Mm-hmm. And in the first episode, we discussed, you know, there were a lot of empty buildings and churches and things like that. Boston has a rich history. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that they didn't set up to you know on fire some of the really historical historical kind of... neat buildings. I mean, I think those would be a little more protected, but even the non-historical ones mm-hmm. are really interesting. Well, the focus was definitely 
abandoned stuff. Yeah, because they weren't the, trying to murder people. But, no, I mean, but that doesn't mean it's not a neat place. Right. The you know, Museum of Natural History is vacant at night. You're right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's mainly abandoned, but yeah, some there. I'm sure there was some. Well, we do talk about figures as far as uh, right. the value of the damage. And, yeah. Oh, I boy. Just, you know, Boston's a neat place. You'll see one day. <laughs> <laughs> you, the listener, not me. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> no, all right, me. <laughs> so those fires would tie up dozens of firefighters and trucks at each scene with police officers dispatched for traffic and crowd control as well. So thinning out those first responder ranks. Mm-hmm. We know from Mr. Flair's note the fires would continue until the reinstatement of all cops and firefighters who were laid off, which by this point, that reinstatement was underway thanks to uh, legislation we mentioned last time. Mm-hmm. Luckily, the state of Massachusetts saw that this was creating a problem, so they diverted some state funds into Boston's public safety budget. <clears throat> Ironically, Mr. Flair's efforts to garner public demand for more first responders was also resulting in those same first responders becoming overworked and spread too thin, sometimes resulting in injuries. Mm. Between 1982 and 1984, around 300 firefighters were injured handling Mr. Flair's arsons, and a few were even permanently disabled, unable to ever return to work. That's sad. So that's the exact opposite of Mr. Flair's goal, if that really, truly is the goal. Mm. On one occasion, an abandoned military barracks collapsed during a fire, injuring 22 firemen in one go when the roof collapsed on them. Yikes. And luckily, there were no fatalities, but still, Still. hundreds injured. Yeah. And firefighters, too. And as you said, it it defeats the purpose. His surface purpose is what I would say. Yeah. Mr. Flair's actions were defeating the point of why he, or they, began setting these fires in the first place. In one instance, Mr. Flair even targeted the Massachusetts Fire Academy, perhaps an attempt to gather more sympathy for firefighters. It's kind of (laughs) dumb. The one place where all the firemen come from, let's target that. You don't get more soldiers by blowing up your own military bases. No. Mm. Idiots. It's not a way to show support. I no. mean, <laughs> no, yeah, you better give us the money or we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot. The common source of the fire, the La Bamba, made it clear that these acts were terrorism, and authorities felt it was a bit of a game to these arsonists. Well, yeah, sitting seven in a night. Yeah. Well, there's, then they're just having fun. There's news footage from the time of mm-hmm. you know, talking to like fire captains and such. That are like on the verge of a breakdown. Yeah. So like we went to this one, put it out, and half the guys had to run to that one, well, and then yeah, we had guys from neighboring cities having to come in and help because the, there was so much. Yeah, and if it's the greater Boston area, like everything's relatively close, mm-hmm. but if the fire got too big, I imagine somebody from another town would have to come help. Yeah. So it wasn't just like Boston fire, and you know. Yeah, you know, we all. If you work in law enforcement. You've probably worked around firefighters, and you know if a call comes over the radio for a house fire with, you know, unknown if there's people still inside, they're not just sending two trucks. No, they send the brigade. Everybody's coming. Everybody who's not... Yeah. (laughs) Everyone who's within reach of that radio is coming. Yeah. So when you have 
you know, one, uh, there's an apartment building on fire. Just about everybody's going. And mm-hmm. then suddenly, uh, well, there's a, the military barracks are on fire. Now a lumber yard. Yeah. Well, a lumber yard having, would be scary. Yeah. They're all having to divert and try to manage resources that ideally you want as many firemen as Present. possible handling, you know, yeah. a four alarm blaze, but some of them have to break off for other stuff. So they're all stretched way too thin mm-hmm. and it's like nonstop. Right. <clears throat> well, and I don't know that I saw anything, but did you see anything about, you know, like it, there were up to seven a night, but mm-hmm. do we know, were they consecutive nights or did they space them out? I never found anything of like a pattern as far as time. So the note said Friday firebug. Right. Initially Which, it was, you know, Fridays. every Friday I'm going to set something on fire. Right. But then it grew. It increased. To basically having fun. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like it was most nights a week. Okay. That it was just yeah. all the time. Just as I, soon as the sun went down, right. something's getting burned. Yeah. I kind of thought that, and of course, Friday with the note. Yeah. But I never but, yeah. actually found anything that said, you know, every other day or every two days or whatever. Or yeah. certain days, you know, there wasn't a pattern of like, well, who is on duty when they're starting these. Mm-hmm. So this case was by far the biggest in history as far as arson was concerned, and a major reason why Boston was known as the arson capital of the world during this era. Though the original motive pointed to disgruntlement, it was soon found that some of the fires may have been set for profit, while others may have just been a case of revenge. And we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. The Boston Sparks Association was a fire club or a group of people, including some firefighters who were fascinated by (laughs) fires and firefighting. You know what they say about those people. (laughs) Firefighters? No. (laughs) People fascinated by fire? They're burning stuff? Well, they have a tendency. If if someone says they're fascinated with fire, I'm like, "Mm, I better watch you. Here's a fire extinguisher. Yeah. Well, and that would be my first inclination, too. I'm going to go down to the bar and have a drink with a few of the guys that really enjoy fires. I mean... What are you doing? I guess what you can't... What are you can't, really doing? I guess you really can't say that it's, t- like, it's not totally out of the ordinary because there are, like, true crime groups. Mm-hmm. There's book club groups that love mysteries. And there's... Mm-hmm. But, you know, as a former CSI and investigator, I don't have a group of... A club that we... <laughs> Right. <laughs> I have you. We we discuss cases. We like, discuss cases. But there's not like a group like we're the we're the crime broads. I can't say anything else. So, <laughs> broads. Yeah, women stick of crime with broads. is probably that's already been used. I'm sure. I couldn't say what I was thinking. <laughs> but to be fair, the Boston Sparks Association was a fire club, which wasn't super uncommon at the time. Um, they're Kind of like storm chasers. All right. They're not necessarily hoping for a storm, but but if, if they find if they one, find out, you know, hey, there's you know possible tornado touching down wherever, they're gonna go and check yeah. it out. So these guys, some firemen, some not, uh, were intrigued by fires, but not necessarily in the starting of fires. All right. So fair enough. I mean, we can't point fingers that if you're a person yeah. who thinks looking at pictures of a burning building is neat. No. You're not necessarily not the fingers. guy. Yeah. I'm just, just saying what's the difference with true crime stuff. <laughs> right. 
And that means you, listener. Hmm. Now, when one of these clubs, the Tapper Club, and we'll mention soon why we bring up the Boston Sparks Association. Mm -hmm. When one of these clubs, the Tapper Club, had its meeting place torched in the Mr. Flair style, it appeared that someone may have had a vendetta against the club. Perhaps Mm. someone who shared the fire fascination and wanted to be a member, but decided if you can't join them, burn them. (laughs) All hands were on deck, trying to track down and stop Mr. Flair. But for the two-year period of the arson spree, the culprit was too skilled to be identified. Another identifier, really. Yeah. Yeah, the one guy who could get away with it. That's the guy you want to get. I mean... (laughs) Of course, that makes it a little tricky. It does, but it also might be an indicator. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's hard evidence when you do find the guy. Now, the biggest break in the case came in 1984 when a piece of news footage caught something peculiar. In the footage, several men standing at the scene of a structure fire appeared to be celebrating the the flames as if they were a 4th of July display. One man was seen brandishing a revolver and waving it about. Well, that was smart. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing? So you're already cheering for the fire, and then you start waving a gun. What are you doing? They were having too much fun. I just have a picture of Moss on IT crowd. (laughs) He had a ruddy gun. Yeah. (laughs) Now, this bizarre display was brought to the attention of the arson task force, who were able to track the men down and identify him as Robert Grabluski, a Boston fire, or I'm sorry, a Boston police officer. Oh, dear. Yes. When he was interviewed at his home, he claimed to know nothing of the arson spree, and apparently he just really liked waving guns and watching fire. Mm. But he made the mistake of leaving something visible, which detectives took note of. Mr. Grubluski was in possession of a city firebox. (laughs) Since 1852, and still in the present day, in fact, there was an article from 2018 about one of these fireboxes Mm -hmm. being used. They're all over. During a 911 outage. Yeah, they're they're all over. Uh, Boston has kept those fireboxes operational. So, 150 years now. Mm-hmm. Or more. <clears throat> they work kind of like a fire alarm in a building, which when they're pulled, it notifies the fire department dispatch so they can send engines to the location of the box. And you know, from there, you should be able to pinpoint the fire. Yeah. And they are like in the city. They are they're just all over the they're place. They're all over the place. You know what it reminds me of is like the police boxes they used to have mm-hmm. in big cities. Same called? thing. Yeah. It's the mm-hmm. same thing. But yeah, they're they're... Prevalent all around the city. Bright red boxes. Yeah. So having one of these boxes meant that Mr. Grobluski or someone close to him must have yanked it off its pole and stolen it. Mm -hmm. Possibly to hinder fire response time. Right. Because this is pre-cell phone, so you either had to run to a firebox or Uh find someone who had a phone. Yeah. Grubluski was arrested for the possession of stolen property, and since that's all the authorities had on him at the time. Uh, after a bit more questioning once in custody, Officer Grubluski cracked, and he confessed, but his confession didn't close the case. It kind of blew it wide open and exposed the truth behind Mr. Flair. Mm. And you'll get the full scoop after this word from the National Investigative Training Academy.
If you are looking for a career change or to expand your knowledge in an already established one, look no further than the National Investigative Training Academy. The National Investigative Training Academy, or NIDA, N-I-T-A, has well over 100 courses with 70 professional development ones alone. NIDA is constantly adding to their course catalog, and courses are focused on private investigation and security fields. Whether you would like to become a private investigator or you need continuing education for your investigative or security career, the National Investigative Training Academy is for you. All courses offered are 100% online and do at your own pace. Once completed, you will receive a certificate in that course. Sign up today at investigativeacademy.com. Make sure when you sign up for your courses, you mention we sent you there. We encourage you to get the best investigative and security training possible today. When you sign up, mention our brand ambassador code BA2367. That's BA2367. And you can find those courses at investigativeacademy.com. Look for links in our show notes as well. Grabluski agreed to cooperate with the state. I'm not going to laugh at his name. And identified, (laughs) (laughs) thank you, seven co-conspirators, two of whom were members of the Boston Sparks Association, one of those fire clubs we mentioned before when we told you it's important not to point fingers at people who are fascinated by fire. All right. (laughs) I... But these two you can point fingers at. See? (laughs) (laughs) But only them. (laughs) His cohorts were Donald Stackpole. Not going to laugh at his name. A 28-year-old security business owner. Wayne Sandin. A 28-year-old housing authority lieutenant. Boston Housing Authority Police Mm -hmm. lieutenant. And Stackpole's (laughs) business partner. Greg... I'm not sure if it's Bemis. I think Davis. it's Bemis. Bemis. Mr. Bemis, like the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Yeah. A 23-year-old Boston Housing Authority police sergeant and the inventor of La Bamba, according to court documents. Mm. Uh, he was also a part-time security officer for Stackpole and Sandin. Stackpole sounds like a town. It probably is. Well, there's Walpole and, yeah. you know. Well, some of these fellas end up in Walpole. I know. <laughs> hey, the town is nice, just not where they but are. The prison is to die for. <laughs> I don't wouldn't know that, but the town's nice. Uh, Leonard Kendall, a 22-year-old Air Force firefighter. Ray Norton Jr., a 44-year-old Boston fireman. Joseph Gorman, a 27-year-old who worked at a manufacturing plant for aerospace defense. Hmm. And Christopher Damon. No relation known to the people you're thinking of. Did you look? No. I was going to look. I <laughs> forgot. <laughs> Mr. Damon. Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> a 27-year-old who worked for a healthcare company. Hmm. So we got a good like a picture good... of the community here. Yeah. We got cops, firefighters, security goons, and some, some regular Joes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, It seems the arsonists shared the common goal of setting fires, but they didn't always see eye to eye otherwise. Hmm. Donald Stackpole actually thought firemen were overpaid and underworked, so his motive was to harass them and make their lives more difficult. (laughs) Jeez. A stark contrast to the Mr. Flair letter. Mm Mm-hmm. He also burned down one of his security clients' businesses to divert suspicion from their company, just in case. Oh, brother. Yeah. 
He and Sandin profited from increased business as they offered arson patrols to their clients. So they're out setting fires, and meanwhile... Hey, I'll watch uh, your house. For an extra kickback, we'll do a nice arson patrol, make sure there's no firebugs around. Uh, Stackpole and Bemis tried to become members of the Tapper Club, but when they were denied, they burned the clubhouse down out of spite. Mm. Yeah. Ray Norton never wanted to burn anything himself. What a saint. But he did act as something of a consultant, putting his ten years of firefighting experience in Boston to bad use, recommending buildings to be burned as well as feeding intel to the other arsonists about what the arson task force was up to and what leads they had. Yeah, so he's also poisoning the investigation. Mm Mm-hmm. Grabluski agreed to wear a wire on several occasions when meeting with the other members of the Mr. Flair crew, and that kind of sealed their fate, because they talked pretty openly about Mm. everything they had done and were going to do. While the eight Sparkies were busy having their sick fun, the fires were being looked at with great scrutiny by a team of experts. The two-year-long investigation into the arsons was undertaken by the aforementioned Arson Task Force, which was comprised of ATF agents the Suffolk County DA's office, Boston PD, and Boston firefighters. <clears throat> the physical evidence they found in, by the end included fire alarm boxes that had been disabled or stolen, like the one Grabowski had, mm-hmm. half-charred incendiary devices matching the La Bamba, mm-hmm. pictures taken from fires that they had set. <laughs> so. so like little trophies. Yeah. Well, and remember, they, these were the guys in the news footage that were cheering at the fire before Grobowski decided he needed to point his gun at it. His ruddy gun. <laughs> uh, and, of course, the materials for the infamous infamous Mr. Flair note after Grobowski had flipped. So they kept those? How come they didn't burn up? those? You know? <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take pictures. The irony. <laughs> you need a keepsake. Hmm. That's another level of criminal, but that's for another day. Yes. In the end, all eight men involved were arrested, and they were charged with setting 163 fires in and around Boston, as well as conspiracy, threatening witnesses, destruction of evidence, obstruction of justice, and perjury. So we mentioned there were around 260 fires that were, they were pretty sure were the the work of these, but yeah, these were probably the ones where they found remnants of the La Bamba, which makes it pretty open and shut. Well, and then I'm like, how are there remnants of that thing? I know. Unless it's the plastic bag. (laughs) But then the plastic bag, that doesn't really implicate anybody by itself. Yeah. So there had to have been a little bit more. Or, you know, they found charred scraps of a certain type of paper bag. That's what I was wondering. Well, if they they were dumb enough... they found extra bags at somebody's house. If they were dumb enough to take pictures... Yeah, they probably had... Then... To me, you know, like you said, like they use the same type of paper. The same Trader Joe's yeah. bag with the same print on it. Right. That kind of tied it up. Yeah. Uh, in the end, they were charged and arrested uh, for setting 163 fires. And I mentioned all those other wild charges. Mm-hmm. And for those, Stackpole, Norton, and Bemis were held without bail because they were said to have threatened the life of the ATF agent in charge of the investigation. Apparently, while they were, like, awaiting trial, there were, I believe, letters uh, regarding 
taking mm-hmm. care of that guy. Come on. Oh, dear. Fellas. A news article in 1984 stated their indictment was 83 counts. You know, that doesn't make first responders look great. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit sad, coming but, from our background. Especially when, at least for the police and firefighters involved in this crew, the end goal was, hey, give us more money. I know. This would make me want to take away what money they do have. I know. <laughs> we got to teach them a lesson. Yeah. Convictions would have led to up to 735-year sentences for some because the mountains of charges they faced. Uh, most of the guys were wise enough to take a plea deal for a smaller sentence, uh, mainly just for pleading guilty to conspiracy. Mm. So do you want to go to trial and face forever in prison <laughs> plus another 650 years? Or do you want to take like a six-year bid? Right. I think, what do they call that? Doing a nickel plus a penny? Yeah. Something like that. I think the lingo's changed. Probably. I've never been in. Thank God. Yeah. Me neither. Stackpole was fingered as the leader of the crew, and he received 40 years for his contribution after taking his case to trial. Shouldn't have done that. Mm-mm. While Norton also went to trial, and he received... Six years. So he got six years just for telling these guys, you should yeah. burn this and burn that. And look out, the arson yeah. guys are, they've got remnants of La Bamba. So when it was all said and done, the fires had caused $22 million Jeez. worth of damage. And, you know, compound that with all the man hours. Yeah. All the overtime. Everything. That when the totally... city was... It totally We're, defeats their purpose. Yeah, we don't have money for their firefighters. Their quote-unquote purpose. Uh, you better find it, because these guys are going to be working for free in a minute. Yeah. Thankfully, no one was killed, and unfortunately, the horribly misguided efforts to secure the jobs of many trusted and beloved police and firefighters resulted in a large portion of the public losing faith in their first responders. Well, yeah. It's hard to blame the public. I know. So, <laughs> there's a case of a group of clowns making yeah. it worse for everyone else. Yeah. Sounds like school, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. That one kid that makes it, you know, he yeah. can't go to recess because that one kid... Yeah, he wouldn't, you know, put his cell phone away or right. whatever. Hey, let's see. We didn't have cell phones <laughs> half the time when I was okay, in school. Okay, he wouldn't put his firebox away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one kid that gets everybody... Yeah. You know, miss out on lunch or... Mm-hmm. no. Oh, you asked about homework. It's the same kind of thing. <laughs> Dude. I went fireman. (laughs) And cop. You know, before, well, during my first interview with uh, the first chief that I worked for, he said, you know, there's going to be drama and nonsense left and right and political BS. Mm -hmm. Just keep your head down and do your job. I think that's a good... And for the love of God, don't set Boston on fire. And I never understood why he mentioned that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but now you got it yeah i think this is what he's talking about it would have been so much easier i mean that sucks when the budget's cut and suddenly yeah. people are being laid oh, yeah. off especially first responders that's terrible they have a hard enough time as it is but, but luckily the state saw the writing on the wall right diverted some funds but they still to start reinstating everyone yeah but even when that was going on when that had already passed they and just was like started, fired I think, fire you know. i think after the first few yeah. They just wanted to see what they could do. 
and they ended up getting years in prison for it and making everyone else look bad. They probably should have never started. Well, and if they were going to start, stop after the 40 dumpster fires. They shouldn't have done any of it. Yeah. I would prefer nothing. Well, yeah. But if but, you've got to act like an idiot, keep it very small scale. But that's the problem. When criminals get a taste of, of foolishness, yeah, foolishness, then they keep going and they think they're invincible. And that is always their demise. Mm-hmm. That is always where they trip up. Yeah. So don't do crime. Please. And if you're a first responder, You'll get caught. extra don't do crime. It makes it worse for everyone else. Yeah. But we thank you for joining us on a arson journey. Yeah. Something different. Not literal. No. And we hope you'll join us next time for, well, probably murder. Probably. Yeah, statistically. We'll see what we come across. Not Yeah. 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 We'll what find kind of... something new, but I bet yeah. someone dies. Yeah. Usually our research leads us there. Yeah. So please join us next time for that. Sign the crime scene log on your way out. See you next time. Stay safe.